Welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz, and this is episode 236, Music to Last a Lifetime, an interview with John Andrasik, coming to you on Thursday, February 25th, 2021. I want to start this episode by telling you, find the bookmark button or the save button on your podcast app. Or if you're watching this on the computer, save this episode. You are going to want to come back to it whenever you need a boost. This has been one of the most encouraging episodes that I can remember recording. And I have had some amazing guests. I think that uh, you and I have both enjoyed just about every single person. When I say just about, I think I mean every single person who's been on the show. But today's episode just really made my heart feel like, Yes, this is someone who's been in a business of creating for so long, and it hasn't always been easy, and he hasn't stopped doing it. And sometimes he has found new ways to do it, or he does it around something else that comes into his life. And I'm thinking this is exactly the kind of encouragement that we all need, because I really believe that today is not the right day for you to decide to quit. Maybe it is, but probably it's not. And I want you to listen to this episode. And at the end, you ask yourself, what do I think is success for me? Because maybe what I'm doing is actually enough to make me happy right now. Maybe I have some goals and plans and, and specific, uh, a specific path that I'm on that I think is going to lead me even closer to the things that would make me happy. Am I happy enough to keep on going? I hope you are. And if you're not, that is totally fine. Nobody said that you have to do this forever. But if you can't stop writing, if you can't stop making up stories, whether they're in songs or in books or in some other format, then I just want to encourage you with this episode. I think that um, you're going to tell yourself Yes, this is totally worthwhile. What I do matters because what you do does matter. First of all, no matter who you are, what you do matters. You can make a positive difference in the world wherever you are and whatever you're doing. The smallest things could have a ripple effect that you have absolutely no awareness of. And I think in some ways, uh, that's something that's like a gift that God gives us so that we can um, not be too full of ourselves being like, I know that I can positively influence every person around me today. The thing is that we can and we should. That is my belief. I do believe that your book or your song or your screenplay, whatever it is that you're working on, can change the world in a positive way and make it a better place for other people. And I think that that is totally worth all the time and energy and sometimes blood, sweat, and tears that we put into it. If you're wondering about the blood, sometimes for me, it's just a matter of uh, picking up a knife in the kitchen to make a sandwich and thinking about my story at the same time. And then, yes, that is why John does not, my John, does not allow me to use knives anymore because uh, sometimes I forget that I am not in this world when I am playing with dangerous objects. But Sorry for the aside. Uh, honestly, the things that you do and the things that you're thinking about, they matter. And if you're in a place where you have a half-finished book that you've really been wanting to work on, but you just can't get yourself to do it, there's this place inside my heart that sometimes I really, really want to work on something, but I'm afraid that I can't do it. I'm afraid that I can't do it as well as it, to, to give it to the, the substance that it has in my head that it won't come out on paper. And there have been times when I have set something aside because I'm like, no, I, I can't. I, I just can't do it. I can't do it by myself. If there's any chance that you feel like just maybe somebody could help you get this book out and make it something that you're really proud of and happy with, give me a call. Now, when I say call, of course, you know, uh, internet calls. So go to my website, rightnowworkshop.com forward slash writing coach, or send me an email at kitty at kittybuholtz.com. Because one of the things that I do and love is helping other people finish their books. 
the two things that are really the most important things in my creative life, which pretty much make up my life, is writing books and helping other people finish their books. So I've got the Finish Your Book membership group where we get together twice a week and do writing sprints. And I love that because there's so much energy. There's so many books being written. It just makes me super happy. I never want to get off the call with people, even though it's my bedtime when it ends. And then there's also the one-on-one coaching where I'm specifically working just with you to get your book the way that you want it or the self-publisher book coaching, which is your book's already done. It's already edited. It's ready to go. You just am not sure exactly what you're supposed to do to get it up on the various um, online stores. And all of these things, I do them because I really do believe that it might be your book or this other book of yours or this other book of yours or this book of mine or this other book of mine or this other book of mine that helps people in some way that is worthwhile. And if that is just something where I've had a really long day at work and I just really need to um, get away and escape into some other world where uh, things work out and people fall in love and stay in love and uh, the bad guy gets it in the end. Um, I, I've been reading a lot of books uh, where I'm just, I need to read a book where the bad guy gets it in the end. <laughs> so if you think that there's any chance that you just need a little bit of help and encouragement and direction, then let me know because I want to help you. I don't want your book to never be written if it was always meant to be. So there's me on my, you know, I would call it an apple crate, except for that it's really where my heart is. So here's me with my heart on my sleeve saying, it's important, keep writing. It really could be something amazing, even if it's just amazing to a few people and it moves them in some way that makes the world a better place, then I don't see how that could possibly be a bad thing or not worth your time. Okay, so I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop talking about that. Also, if you are thinking about uh, possibly self-publishing your book, you can get the self-publish your book checklist from my website also at rightnowworkshop.com. And remember that the uh, show notes and transcripts for every episode are at podcast.rightnowworkshop.com. You can go forward slash episodes and just search for the episode number. Uh, remember, this one is 236. And I'm going to put a link to John's TEDx talk in there too, because it was another just really encouraging bit of um, uh, you can do it, keep going. This is how long it takes sometimes. Sometimes it's a lot more work than you think. Sometimes this piece comes out so perfectly and wonderfully and quickly. And this piece takes you six months or, uh, you know, in the book world, this book came out in two or three months and that book took seven years. I've got, I've got a couple of those seven year books. So anyway, I want to give you all the encouragement you possibly can. So in addition to today's episode, definitely check out John's TEDx talk uh, again, link in the show notes. And right now, I think we just need to go right into the conversation with John. Enjoy. Today's guest is John Andrasik. John has soared in every aspect of the music industry, from songwriting to producing to performing. This Los Angeles native, better known as Five for Fighting, a hockey penalty moniker he chose to pay homage to his beloved LA Kings, has been a one-man team unto himself constantly shooting and scoring while setting the bar higher each time. His collection of heartfelt songs have found their place in the Great American Songbook and continue to stand the test of time. Superman, the worldwide hit single, went platinum and became an anthem for the heroes of 9-11. 100 Years went double platinum and continues to give every age group a lifetime's moment of reflection and nostalgia. John likes to say he was a 20-year overnight success who faced the rejection and struggles not uncommon to aspiring singer-songwriters. Yet there's more to him than the music. His off-the-ice endeavors are equally, if not more, impressive. He performs for the USO and has found a new hat in inspirational keynote speaking engagements across the globe. So yes, in addition to making music, John is making a difference. He's pulled a hat trick of, of sorts, not just being an accomplished singer and songwriter, but an advocate for causes that are important to us all. Welcome, John. Thank you, Kitty. Thank you for the kind intro. <laughs> I have to say, uh, just trying to figure out how to narrow it down after you get so many things going on in life, um, sometimes 
people have so many cool things to say. And uh, there's a lot of really interesting stuff on your bio. I encourage anybody who already knows that they love your music, Five for Fighting, to, to just go look at your website some more. And I mean, also, uh, and we should start with this. I'm from Michigan and you're an <laughs> LA Kings fan. So yes. I, we just have to know, like, can we still be friends? Is that going to work? If you're a hockey fan, how can you not love the Detroit Red Wings? You know, they are yes. they are the hockey team of hockey teams and a great organization and uh, legends galore. So we yeah. hockey fans stick together. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> and well, in addition to the fact that I'm just going to love the, the Red Wings for the rest of my life, no matter if they're doing well or not doing well. I mean, you can't be <laughs> mad at somebody who had 24 years of getting to the Stanley Cup. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. And they were in the playoffs every year for like three decades. And, you know, <laughs> everybody's got to kind of go down and come back. The, both the Kings and the Red Wings now are what we call rebuilding. So I'm sure I'm sure I have more confidence in the Red Wings getting it right than the Kings. But, you know, it, but hey, we I never thought we'd win a Stanley Cup and we got two. So my dream have come true so that's right my hockey dreams at least <laughs> yeah. and you'll be pleased in your 75 degree la weather today uh, let's see it's february as we're talking and yesterday my husband and i went for a walk and there were kids playing hockey on the ice and i was like ah nope they're gonna see you as like an old woman because they're like 14 maybe and i'm like <laughs> but i just want to go out there and just play around a little bit <laughs> to put on your skates you know wouldn't that <laughs> be so, yeah. oh so fun <laughs> so listen let's start with kind of um uh, you've got great information on your bio. People who love you probably already know tons about you, but let's focus a little bit more on the writing side. So yeah. what was the first thing, start wherever you like, but I was just thinking about, you know, you, you started playing music when you were very young, but then you were a teenager, if I understand, when you started writing. So how did you get into the writing and how do you think it stuck with you? You know, I was very fortunate. You know, my mom was a uh, a piano teacher. She was a piano major, went to USC and kind of a classical pianist. And uh, she started teaching me and my sister very young to play the piano, which was great um, because, you know, for, for the piano, the younger you start, the better. And she she would kind of teach at the local elementary school and we would do musicals. And, you know, like many kids, I was Tony and West Side Story with a squeaky chipmunk voice. And uh, and she was very wise, about 13 or 14, when I really didn't want to practice the piano anymore. I wanted to go ride my skateboard. She let me quit, and uh, which I think was wise, because if, if, if I had the passion for it, I'd keep going. If not, then I'd find another passion. And of course, I had my Burt Backrack songbook and my Stephen Schwartz Godspell and the Beatles 5,000 songs that I would play. And then, like many writers, um, I have fell in love for the first time. And uh, I had to write a song for her. And I was 15. And uh, ironically, I actually wrote it on guitar, which is weird because I'm a piano player my, my whole childhood. But I wrote a song for a girl, um, you know, and it, as it usually does, ends in heartbreak. So I wrote another song about that. Um, and, uh, I just kind of had a passion for writing and I was such a music fan and especially of the, you know, the piano players, Elton and Billy Joel were in their prime and Joni Mitchell. And I was always a rock, I was a rocker too. I loved, you know, ACDC and Zeppelin and, and I loved the singers. I loved, you know, Freddie Mercury. I love Steve Perry. Um, so I was just all wrapped up in music. So I, I kind of bought the studio stuff and locked myself in my room for many years and wrote hundreds of bad songs and uh but it it you know it was kind of my my passion it kept me out of trouble and it was a way I could kind of you know get out my you know teen angst and uh I, I just loved it and for me you know it's great to be able to sing it's great to be able to perform but that kind of moment that you 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 play a song for the first time that you've written and, and you think it has something that that's you know all the writers on this zoom call understand that you know, you work for months, sometimes a year to get that five minutes of gratitude and, and satisfaction. And that keeps me coming back. Yeah. As a novelist, I definitely feel the same. You know, um, you're reading books and you think, oh my gosh, stories and books are the best thing ever in the whole wide world. And then your childhood 
musings kind of turn into something later that you're like, this is so weird that I don't stop. Like you would think, <laughs> I always thought when I was in college, that's when I'll stop. I'll put away right. childish things. <laughs> yeah. But I, I actually started getting more serious. I was like, you know what? I don't want to just like make little stories that maybe just a couple of people read. I want to, I want to see if I could write an actual book that people are like, wow, I, when's the next one coming out? When did you start um, showing your music to your friends and, and what, how was, how was the uh, encouragement or a lot of times lack thereof? There's also a lot of lack of encouragement among. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I was very fortunate in that my parents um, supported me. Um, it wasn't unconditional. You know, I think my mom being a musician understood the odds, but you know, they were like, all right, as long as you're going to college, we'll, you know, support you and your music. And then once I was out of college, you know, as long as you're working, you know, we'll, we'll support you. And so I, I really had that, that um, support and kind of emotional understanding, even though I knew they were kind of just waiting for me to get over it. Um, um, And, but I, I couldn't get over it. And, and I'm not, you know, kind of like you, I, I was never, I can, unfortunately, I wasn't content enough to just write my songs and play them for my friends and be happy. You know, I had this ambition to do it and to be heard. Um, I never need, needed to be, you know, David Lee Roth, but I wanted to be heard and in a perfect world, make a living at music. And I was going to go over the cliff, uh, you know, till I just couldn't do it. And, and circumstances were moving that way. I, I was actually incredibly lucky uh, for the for the start to align. I didn't have success till my late twenties um, and early thirties, which is unheard of in music. You know, if you if you don't have hits by the time you're 22, 23 as a pop artist, you're you know you better go find a real job. But I just kept pushing at it and and got lucky. And uh, my girlfriend, who became my wife, was a music publisher and. Behind my back, she would still give my demos to people and everybody would say, oh, he's a good, good songwriter, but not the singer or he's a good singer, but not a great song, you know, and uh, but it for me, it, it kind of worked. And um, and as I said, uh, there's thousands of reasons why it shouldn't. But, you know, I, I did enough to give myself a chance and I've been incredibly blessed to do it, you know, for 25 years. Yeah, that's amazing too. Yeah, 25 years. When people get past the five-year mark, I think there's a lot to celebrate. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just to make, I tell, you know, when, when I talk to, to, to aspiring artists and songwriters or novelists or artists, you know, they talk about, oh, what's it like to have a number one song or, you know, to be on TV or, and I say, you know, I have one wish for you. I, I My wish for you is, you know, when you're my age and in your mid fifties, that if you want to do a concert or a show or sell a book, somebody will buy a ticket or somebody will buy your book or somebody will come to your book signing because you're still doing it, you know, and you have a career. And to me, that's, that's what I've always kind of dreamed of. And, you know, I think for, for most writers, they'd be very happy with that. Yeah, definitely. And, um, there's always something there's, there are things that push you up and things that pull you down. And a lot of times it's, it's a different thing every, every month or every year, there's something, um, this last year has been really tough for a lot of writers that I know. Some people like me have gotten more done than they've gotten done more done in the space of a year than I probably have ever gotten done in the space of a year. But a lot of my friends, I was, um, just concerned that that they feel, felt like they were losing their mojo. And for some people, yeah. they have traditional book contracts and they're going to they're going to have to find a way to work this through because this is their job and somebody's counting yeah. on them. But there's so many other people who um, either because they're self-published or because they haven't been published at all, they're in charge of their own schedule. And I was just like, what can I do to help encourage them that today is not the day to quit, even though it yeah. feels like it sometimes. What, what are some times where you've gone through that and, and how did you get to the other side? Yeah, it's hard. I mean, you know, if you just want to talk about this last year, I think I've, I've spoken to many of my creative friends, too. And I don't care what level level they're at, whether they're just starting, whether they're struggling, where they, you know, whether they've sold three million books or have a hit television show. I think just the, the depression of the world going through the pandemic, you can't help but feel that. And first of all, you don't, you don't really want to write about it. <laughs> you know, usually we want to write about our pain, but it's kind of like, really, you know, 
And so I think people are just kind of waiting for it to get over and try to find some energy again and some some life. Um, for me personally, it's been very odd because beyond music, I have we have a family business that I've kind of had to immerse myself in because my father's 82 in quarantine. Oh, right. So I haven't hardly done any music besides, you know, some, you know, video concerts and keynotes and just kind of coming home and being frustrated and upset about everything and just pounding on the piano like I did when I was 17. I haven't done that in like 30 years. And it, it kind of reminded me why music was so crucial to my to my life um, because it was my, vice isn't the right word, it kind of replaces the vice, but instead of doing unhealthy things to deal with my pain and anguish, I would just bang on the piano for two hours and sweat and scream and have no idea what I just did, but I know when I was done, I felt better. So yeah. this year music has kind of been for me a, a savior again. And, um, but you know, so much of, of the arts is so boring and pedestrian because it's not romantic. It's not exciting. It's discipline. Yeah. It's writing when you don't want to, you know, it's like if you're a runner and it's raining and it's six in the morning, <laughs> some of us are going to get up and run in the rain. Some of us are going to be like, no, it's too cold. I'm going to sleep in. You know, <laughs> as an artist, if you really, you know, I'm not one of those prodigy songwriters that can write, you know, I'm not Paul McCartney that can just whip out, you know, classic after classic. I have to write lots of songs to get a few that might be, be heard and, and worthy. So, so much of it is just work ethic, writing when you don't want to understanding that sometimes you're gonna have to go drop back to the drawing board I, I have I have not to drop names but I'm I'm very fr good friends with Stephen Schwartz the musical writer um which is awesome because I started with his songbook as a seven-year-old and and even he'll tell me you know when when he wrote Wicked and you hear Wicked you're like oh god those songs so amazing and he would tell me oh yeah yeah that song I wrote seven times I threw six of them away but to do that, you have to have discipline. And um, you also have people around you that you trust. Um, so, so much of what we do is not magic and it's not romantic. It's, it's just a crafting. So I think even through this hard time, you, you need to find ways to create, um, not only, you know, for your commercial success, but kind of for your soul. Yes. Yeah. I, um, I had a, a business person kind of a mentor suggests to me that uh, just for the next three months, you know, just to get you through this, this um, growth spurt in your business, why don't you just um, put the writing to the side for a little bit and focus on this other part of your business? And it was all I could do to get off the Zoom call with her without crying. And then I oh. ran to my husband and I bawled for like 20 minutes. I could not stop crying. And then uh, a, a different business coach later was like, wait, wait, wait. If anyone tells you, just put off doing this creative thing for a little while and you start crying like that, you cannot put it off. So we have to figure out a way to keep it in your schedule and you're going to have to work hard on the other part of your business because obviously you can't, like, that's who you are. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, now, like, I feel like I... I don't know if you are like this way, but uh, a lot of writers I know are, so I'm just going to say it. Like I hear this other voice in my head <laughs> talking to this main voice in my head going, oh my gosh, it's just like Michael Haig when he teaches screenwriting and, and uh, <laughs> he's been teaching novelists too. Like, what is the one thing your character says? I could do anything, but don't ask me to. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I just answered that question accidentally in my own life. <laughs> but it's funny the way that um, who we are brings out uh, the best in our art and our art brings out the best of who we are. No, I, I think that's true. And also have to, I think we have to realize, you know, we are human beings too. And it's hard to do this. It, it's hard enough to, to just create anything. But then when we have to be judged by it, whether it's our friends, our family, critics, our peers, the, the, the public, and, and then we have real life things about, I got to pay the rent, you know, and, and, and then we're, then we have our, you know, our inspirations and our idols and like, oh my God, you know, this is not as good as Leonard Cohen, you know, <laughs> like all that, all that stuff. So it's hard. And I, I think, you know, we have to give ourselves a break sometimes too. But uh, I remember Billy Joel, you know, 
just hear him, you know, hear him talking about songwriting. And he's like, you know, if I'm not sitting at the piano working, I'm not writing a song. You know, so part of it is just just doing it. And uh, if you do it enough, you know, you'll you'll get better. And every once in a while, at least as a songwriter, you know, lightning will strike. And but, you know, we have to give ourselves a break, too. And, and there are practical tools I think you can use to get out of funks. Um, sometimes if I'm just, you know, not feeling it, I'll I'll change my environment. I'll just go somewhere else. You know, whether it's hiking behind the house or go to Rome, you know, or whatever it is, just change my worldview, um, just see something different or I'll, you know, put on some music I haven't heard in a long time. And I, I think there's a lot of practical tools we can use to kind of get out of our funk. Yeah. Um, you know, write something different. You know, if you're a songwriter, write, you know, write, uh, write a short story. You know, if, if you're if you're a novelist, you know, write, uh, write a song, you know. Just do something that's not necessarily a wheelhouse, but kind of gets us excited. And also, we don't have pressure to be great at it. Right. Um, so we're just creating something for ourselves, which is what we started doing in the beginning, um, you know, before we caught, caught up in all the rest of this. So I do think there are some practical tools you can use to, to get out of those times. Yeah, definitely. We, um, My husband is a computer animator, so we've lived in California, Australia, New Zealand, and now Sweden for, uh, you know, films or now video games. And uh, right. when we were taking this 14-hour flight to Sydney to move there for the second time, um, I don't know what it was. It's it's honestly embarrassing, but I'm going to I'm gonna say it anyway. I'm not sure that I've ever <laughs> told Do anybody. It. <laughs> so... 14 hours, you've got, you know, 150 movies to choose from to entertain you so that you don't want to throw yourself out of the metal tube. And uh, I was watching Hannah Montana. It was yeah. newish. And I was like, eh, I'll just watch this. And I loved it. And then I was asking the stewardess, do you have any scrap paper? <laughs> and I wrote two songs on the way to sing. <laughs> of course, I'm not a songwriter. But in my mind, I... I oh my gosh, my creativity just like went crazy. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to keep this up. Like, what else can I do that will keep me just excited about, you know, getting back into the book, even though I, I'm just like, should I actually try to play these on my guitar? Or I mean, like, I'm not a songwriter, but but something something hit the button and I was just like, oh my gosh, go with it, go with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes I think that's, you, you, you touched on something is, you know, go back and find something you love, you know, whether it's a television show or a record or a book or a movie. Um, you know, I'll, every five years I'll watch Song Remains the Same by Zeppelin, you know, and I'll be like, oh, you know, or, yeah. you know, or, you know, or I'll watch Stripes or I'll, you know, I'll read Steppenwolf or something, you know, again, just to kind of remind yourself of that joy. And, and it'll take you back to that time you had that joy, too. So. I do love, you know, I, I do, I do dabble in, you know, short stories and, and, you know, that's kind of why the keynote thing has been fun for me because it's still a way to express myself, but it's a different thing. It's not the thing I've been doing 25 years. It's not singing Superman for the 10,000th time, <laughs> even though I sing it in the keynote, but it, it's an in intellectual challenge too. So I think you're always kind of looking for ways to stimulate, stimulate yourself, especially if you kind of be doing the same thing over and over again. How can like for, for songwriting now, I'm not making records, but I'm trying to create projects where I can write songs for those projects, whether it's television or film or musical theater, um, because they're new and interesting and I'm excited about it instead of, yeah. you know, just kind of making a record in this world where records don't exist and doing whatever all my you know friends from the 2000s are miserable doing. So sometimes you kind of look, you know, try to change the field of play a little bit, maybe find find this find a way to do what you love to do, but maybe in a different format or maybe a different commercial venture. I love that. That's such a great idea. And there's so many things on the one hand, um, making a living with art has a lot of challenges. On the other hand, yeah. there are so many different directions that sometimes I have to remind myself or my friends, I'm like, we're creative people. That's what we are. We can think of another way to do this. You know, like people are figuring out ways to do writers conferences online, writers conferences yeah. um, at one point for probably at least 25 years that I'm aware of, because those were years that I was going, this was how you met agents and editors and yeah. got your book known. But now people are just figuring out, okay, so how can we, recreate the experience but i love the people who are like how can we not recreate the experience but create 
a better experience. It's even better on video when everybody's at their computers instead of being able to walk around and talk to people. So there's so many exciting things that the, we can figure out other ways to do. Sorry, I'm going off on a tangent because it, this is just one of my hot buttons. <laughs> no, I think you're right. I mean, you see that in music. I mean, the, the music industry has kind of been decimated as a business, but you've seen opportunities for songwriters and creators to make a living at it. You know, you don't need to sell a million records, though, the record company million dollars. You know, you can build a fan base online. Um, you can sell 50,000 records. You can sell 750 tickets in a city and you can build on that. And then you have a real career. And, you know, you don't have to you don't you don't have to let some A&R guy or some record company president tell you if you're worthy or not. The, the, the audience will do that. The public will do that. So in certain ways, it's an amazing time. If uh, if you're an entrepreneur, now you have to have other skills beyond just your talent. You have to yeah. be able to sell yourself. You have to understand business. But, you know, we live in an age where I could hear a song on the radio right here and I can, you know, karma it. And, you know, two minutes later, it's on my Spotify <laughs> and the artist is getting paid. And not only that is somebody could like Bruno Mars and go, oh, yeah, if you like Bruno Mars, it might like Five for Fighting and they can find me. So there are things out there that that as entrepreneurs, which we have to be yeah, because uh, we can't rely on anyone else um, that we can take advantage of. You know, my wife uh, was writing a book and. She's going to self-publish it on Amazon, but she's doing some keynotes and she's using her relationships from the music business. And so it's also exciting in that way. But, you know, we can't we can't rely on the old way, which I think you were getting at. We can't yeah. assume that the way it used to work is how it's going to work anymore, because, frankly, if you look at all these record companies that try to do it the old way, it didn't. And uh, that's why they're struggling. But you see a lot of new artists who are making it on their own. Yeah. Now, um, you probably get asked this question from friends and just uh, people who are talking to you or see you at someplace. Okay, not see you at right this second, but um, John, <laughs> John and I get asked from friends and uh, friends of friends. Uh, my teenager wants to be a writer. My teenager wants to be an animator. Can you please tell them something? And sometimes I can tell that the parent wants me to say, what I'm not going to say, which is don't do this. This is too difficult. But John yeah. and I tend to say, listen, <laughs> and we, we sometimes have done this with the teacher in the room, come to think of it, but we just get so into what we're talking about. Like we forget that we might be offending the teachers and the parents slightly. Our view happens to be um, the same. And we tell kids, listen, you should absolutely be pursuing your passion. Do not let anyone stop you. Keep in mind, though, that you do have to pay the rent and eat. And, you know, you might need a car depending on where you live. So find something else that you're good enough at and willing to do for those things so that you can focus your time and energy on actually doing the creation where you are not putting so much pressure on it that you actually break it. Uh, what are the things that you say to young people that they're thinking, I kind of really think this songwriting or, or the band that I created, I think this could be a thing. No, we're kind of of the same mind. And it's, it's not just other people's kids. You know, I have a daughter at NYU majoring in musical theater. Oh, so wow. I have, a, I have a, a daughter who's feeling all those things we did. And, you know, my parents, as I said, they're very supportive, but there were caveats that went with that. Um, it wasn't like drop out, drop out, go join the band and rock on. Um, because, you know, one thing when I talk to some of the younger kids, like, well, I need the freedom and I need all, you know, to, to write and to find my muse. And, and I tell them, if you don't have a plan B, you actually don't have freedom. You know, freedom is knowing that you're financially secure and you can pay your rent and to, to write. I have a lot of friends who did that. They dropped out and, and they just pursued your music. And then, you know, they're making minimum wage somewhere. Um, and they didn't have time to do their music because <laughs> they were working 60 hours a week to pay their rent. Yeah. So I, I do think having that plan B gives you freedom to pursue that, that craft. Um, and I also tell parents too, it's like, if your kids have the passion for it, they'll figure it out. Cause you also have, you know, little league parents who are like, my kid's going to be, you know, Alphaba on Broadway and my kid's going to be a number one, you know, and they're at guitar camp and all this stuff. And, and, you know, I, I think my mom was wise, you know, at 13 or 14, she gave me the basics. And then if I wanted to do it, 
I'll do it. If not, I'll find something else. Because you really want your kids to find a passion for something. And it doesn't have to be music. Um, it can be anything. And and they, they'll do that. Because if you don't have that passion for the arts, as you know, it's going to end bad. Because I don't care who you are. There's going to be rejection. There's going to be downtimes. There's going to be a struggle. People are going to you know, ridicule you. And if you don't have that passion and spine to say, you know what, this is what I love to do. I'm going to do it. You know, I'm going to do it till I go over the cliff. You know, then you probably shouldn't be doing that in the first place. Um, and, you know, there's no guarantees. I don't care. You could be the, the best singer songwriter, the best dancer, the best novelist, the best artist. We live in a subjective business and a subjective world. You know, we old fogies, you know, I just my wife, you know, was kind of talking about the Grammy nominations, you know, and we always think that the younger generation sucks you know that's our job is old kind of narcissistic you know bitter grumbly old faded rock stars but um but you know it's like you know you, you wonder what's what's coming you know will these songs today be played in 10 20 years you know so you know there's a lot of stuff that goes into it but i just tell parents give your kids support them in whatever they love to do and if they're good kids and they work hard and they find that plan b i don't care what it is i don't care if it's you know building a house, you know, delivering pizza, if, you know, or writing a song. If that's their passion and they're good kids, you know, support them. Yeah. And the arts, good luck, because it's going to be a long and winding road. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, for anybody who's watching on YouTube, you've got a hockey jersey on the wall behind you, and your yes, band few. name yes. comes from hockey. So, I yes. mean, somebody could also be thinking, that's what I really want to do. I want to be a hockey player. So, really... Yeah. There isn't huh. that many things in life that I think are th the easy road. I mean, if it's something that you really like, uh, there's probably people who absolutely adore the number crunching and going to Wall Street and doing all the yeah. trading and stuff. Um, but even they had to work really hard and be so good that they were one of the people good enough to be hired in that job. So in a way, we're really talking about anything that you want to succeed at. That's what I tell people. You know, for me, my success is 10% talent, if that. It's all the other stuff. It's the relationships. It's how you uh, treat people when you're first coming up. It's how you treat people when you have the number one song in the country. Um, it's who you are. You know, if, if people believe in you as a person, it might be the tipping point. Um, so it, it, there's so many things. It's the work ethic. It's the going back to the drawing board. It's who do you surround yourself with. Um, there's so many things that goes, goes into being successful in anything um and at least for me very little of it is talent and we can talk about what success is anyways you know success is defined in many different ways and and unfortunately in this society we tend to you know define success by fame fortune clicks um chart positions you know ticket sales but there's many songwriters that nobody knows who are having a huge impact on people's lives there's many um you know novelists you know, who may not have the, the top 10, you know, New York Times bestseller list, but but they're changing lives and making a difference and fulfilling their own um, ambitions and destiny. So I think we always have to be careful when we talk about success, because frankly, most folks who have the kind of pinnacle of success, what we think it is, I've met a lot of them. Not a lot of them are necessarily happy or in a good place. Yeah, so we have to kind of readjust our thinking on that, too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you know, you um you touched on something that that's another kind of near and dear to my heart. The tagline to the podcast and to my um teaching right now workshop stuff is write a book, change the world. And yeah. you have written songs that have changed the world. I find it um to me, okay, so th this is this is what I think. Changing anyone's life for the better is worth the time. That's how I feel. So even though, uh, like on the one hand, depending on who you are, I just write romance novels. The yeah. fact is, is that um, I had a friend uh, who told me that she was an um, ICU nurse for babies, so the NICU ward, and that um, that I shouldn't put down, I shouldn't uh, self-deprecate about the romance novels because if she lost a baby at work, then when she came home, all she wanted was anything that would take her away so that she could forget about it for a while. And so romance novels did that for her. And I was like, oh, okay. I, I am helping people. I'm helping people who are helping other people do things. And so do you have, um, in your own life, uh, an example or just words for 
words of encouragement for other people who are trying to figure out is what I love to do worth worth doing? I mean, sometimes that's one of the things. It's it doesn't have to do with what's happening in the world, but sometimes you just get down in yourself. And if I remember this correctly, in your TEDx talk, you said you wrote a thousand songs before Superman. Oh yeah, no, I, I you know I started writing songs at fifteen and and didn't get a record deal until my late twenties, and then got dropped from the record deal and you know, somehow found another way to get my songs heard. But yeah, of course, it's it's always frustrating. You know, Superman for me was just a plea to be heard. I, I just wanted someone to listen to me. I didn't care if they liked it or not. You know, I, I was tired of paying my friends to show up at the coffee house, you know, so I could play a gig. Um, but yeah, I, I think we're always um, kind of full of, you know, self-doubt and is this worth it? All this time I'm putting in. And, and I think everybody has that own answer for themselves, you know, um, because there are practicalities with the world, you know, as much as I want to be a hockey player, I ain't never going to be one, (laughs) you know? So, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, if you just work hard enough, all your dreams will come true. But I think, again, what I found this year is is for so many of us are writing it's more than just a commercial exercise. It's really something that keeps us, um, our, it, it's good for our wellness. Um, and yeah, it's nice if you can make some money off it and, and, and it's nice if people will like it. Um, but I'll tell you this, I don't care how successful you are. There's going to be a lot of people that don't like it. You don't know you're successful until you, you have people that hate you. I really found that out quickly. What you really don't want are people who are ambivalent. You know, when you have success, all of a sudden you get a lot of haters, you know, critics and all that stuff. So I think that's a question we all have to answer ourselves. And and why are we doing this right now? And um, is this right for us right now? And, you know, far be it for me to answer that question for people. They they know within themselves. And but it is a struggle. And and we as I said at the beginning, we should give ourselves a break and not, you know, not feel like it's a life or death situation, a life or death answer. And if we want to take some time off and do something else, and then it pulls us back, you know, it's like an ex-girlfriend, an ex-boyfriend, an ex-lover. It's like, if, if it's meant to be, we'll find a way back. Yeah. Um, and if it's not, that's probably better for ourselves. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When I, um, was in a, uh, a screenwriting program in LA and you know, that the people were, if there's anything else you can think of that you'd like to do, you should do it. Cause this is really hard. And, and people are looking around going, yeah, no, this is where I want to be. And it was yeah. a really hard life, but, uh, it was one of the, it was one of the things I'm kind of one of those people who seems to, uh, it seems like I'm a jack of all trades, master of none. It's just that I started realizing in hindsight that there are certain skills that I keep bringing to the to the different things. But you know, being involved in the film industry and making films, and then seeing seeing the rough cut and going, "Oh my gosh, we've wasted all that time and money." <laughs> and then afterwards, when we do all the colorization and the music, and it let me just say to a musician, of course, you know this, but I never realized how much music creates a film oh. or television show. No, some very good friends of mine are music supervisors, and I've done a lot of writing for film and and and, and television. And you're right. When you find that that right piece of footage and that right sentiment with the right song, it's the holy grail, man. And it doesn't happen a lot. But uh, those people who do that, um, you know, they're they're rock stars themselves. Because I'm the same way. You know, I get pitch films. I'll just see footage. They'll have either temp score in there. Um, but then, you know, you put the right song in there, and the whole scene comes alive. And and that to me is what's fun about creative stuff and that's why I like to dabble in other mediums you know because yeah. I learned stuff like you learned and I have a lot of friends who are screenwriters yeah and it's it's it is miserable you know <laughs> it's hard and the bosses are not cool and um but you know I have a friend who's incredibly successful and you know has more money than he could ever spend and has a ton of tv shows and could do whatever he wants and he's kind of semi-retired you know what he sends me every day he's like oh I just wrote this <laughs> I, oh, check this out. Here's an idea. What do you think of this? He's also as insecure as he was when he was 19. Yes. This stuff, hey, why didn't you respond? Why didn't you respond? The guy's got like $100 million and he's like all these teeth. But that's who we are. But he loves to write. 
Yeah. And I love that about him because all that other stuff, yeah, it's cool, but that's not why he does it. So I think there's some of that in all of us. And we have to kind of remind ourselves of that, you know, you know, this is who we are and this is what we do. Let's do it. That's awesome. That That is the perfect way to kind of wrap up our interview because <laughs> I, I really do believe that um, <clears throat> pursuing whatever is in your heart, well, okay, I, I believe pursuing whatever that is in your heart, if it's not hurting other people, but if it's helping, if there's things that you can do that make other people's lives a little bit happier, I mean... <laughs> When I found out, you know how sometimes, I don't know if this is true for you, but for just, you know, a regular person who's not a musician, uh, I would listen to the radio and they they stopped sometime about 20 years ago or something. They stopped saying that was such and such song yeah. by so-and-so. And I would yeah. listen to all this music going, I love this. I don't know what it is and I don't know who does it. So I don't know how to buy it. I was so mad when they stopped doing that. And then I started moving around the world and, um, then I, I lost total track of television and, and music and stuff. So, so I, I'm not going to say I apologize, but when I found out that you wrote this dance, that Aww. that's one of your songs, I was like, oh my gosh, how am I not going to be a fangirl? I mean, I love Superman. <laughs> it's on my playlist because I write superhero novels for women. So it, it's one of the Aww. songs that I listen to, to, you know, get me back in the mood when I'm doing other things and come back to write. But to prepare for the interview, now I'm just going to be a little bit of a fangirl here. To prepare for the interview, I was listening to your music and watching your TED Talk and reading your bio and just like reimmersing myself in all things for five for fighting. And um, and when you're um, I, I don't know publicist maybe is that what Julie? Yeah, is? yeah, yeah. Uh, I I wrote to her and I said I don't want to embarrass myself if this is a song that he's sung but he didn't write when we're talking about writing. And she wrote back, no, he wrote that. And I was like. Oh my gosh, that song. I just have to hear like the first few bars and my heart just like does that kind of soft, squishy thing. And then I want to dance with my husband. And then last night uh, I have this um, writing group and uh, and we write for a, a little half hour sprints. It's just like turn off the microphones and everybody just go and we write as fast as we can. And so I was listening to uh, this dance while I was writing and I was like, oh my gosh, Jax has to like grab Tabitha's hand and say, forget about the kids, forget about the things that you're worried about, just dance for three minutes and it'll be this song. And I, and I was thinking, okay, legally, I can't like put the lyrics or any, anything in, but I can put the title and the artist and I'll be like, this is the song they're listening to. And so here's me going crazy because this is what music does to me. Uh, I find that song and I'm like, oh my gosh, this reminds me of the way that this is going to happen in, in the book where this happens. And so there's me <laughs> just saying, well, oh my gosh, I love that song. <laughs> number one, you can have the lyrics. Number two, <laughs> the fact that you even know that song gives me goosebumps because it's, it's a deep cut. <laughs> but uh, no, thank you so much. It's, uh, it's, uh, I always kind of envisioned it as a wedding dance song. Um, yeah. you know, and it was kind of one of my attempts to try to write like a Billy Joel, honestly, or one of those kind of just piano vocals, you know? Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's another like really rewarding thing as, as, a, as a writer and artist is, you know, when somebody appreciates a song that, or a book or, or something that not a lot of people even know, you know, then you're like, Oh, I you know, I'm so glad that song touched someone. You know, I, I have a song called freedom never cries. It was never on the radio, never a hit, but when I was touring with the troops, you know, the families would come up and say, you know, I really like that song. And, and as I said, you know, for me, it may sound kind of corny and easy to say, but that, that means as much to me as, as, you know, hundred years or, or Superman. So we can find our kind of gratitude and solace in, in the strangest places. So put the lyrics in your book and send it to me and I'll write the foreword. <laughs> well, it is romance, but you seem with all your other lyrics to be a romantic guy. So I I'll might try. just take you up on that. <laughs> Sweet. Listen, this has been super great. I would love to have you talk more about music and more about like the actual writing, but I'm really excited. I think that we've, um, we've created something for listeners that people can come back to. This can be a, a touchstone for when times get hard, come back to this episode, remind yourself that even people who ha have had like the number one song in 
I wanted to say the world, but I don't want to um, like, <laughs> anyway, platinum and double platinum records. Those don't come the along. solar system. Yeah. yeah, that's right. It's the biggest song in the universe. Oh, you know what though? I mean, it is because Superman's from another planet. So there we that's go. True. Number one on Krypton, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but that there's a, there's a certain piece that comes from hearing other people say, yep, me too. And then I can say to other people and I encourage, you know, all the writers who listen to me, all the writers that I work with, you know, sometimes just turn to the writer next to you and go, it's okay. Everybody feels this way. And it, it gives you, I don't know if it gives you more um, peace and security and strength, or if it just takes away the fear that's getting in the way of you keeping going. But yeah. No, I, I, you know, I, I think it's, it's sometimes hard to remember. And I think something that we often aspire to doing is, you know, we're naturally insecure, you know, for what we do. Um, it just goes with it. But I think everyone should, should understand there's an honor in what we do. There's a courage in what we do. Um, we put ourselves on the line. And, and I tell performers, you know, especially kids, you know, I say, the moment you walk on that stage, you've won because you have the courage to do something most people don't. And maybe you'll hit it out of the park. Maybe your voice will crack. It's, I've had all I've had everything, the worst and the best and everything in between. But, you know, the fact that we do what we do, we have the courage to do that. Take pride in that. And, and really, you know, again, it sounds corny, but listen to yourself and don't let the, the outside world dictate to you who you should be and what you should be doing. Um, that's easy to do, especially in the social media age and everybody's yelling at everyone. And, you know, you know, I think we really need to be proud of what we do and, and the fact that we do it and we do the best we can. And, uh, we, uh, hopefully at the end of the day, touch some folks and they touch us back. I love it. That's awesome. All right. So, um, in this age of you're probably not moving around the world right now doing a, a lot of engagements, uh, where can people find you and also to keep track of when you do start um, singing or speaking in public again? Yeah, you know, uh, that it's there. You know, I, I do have some tour dates that have been postponed and postponed again, <laughs> and we'll postpone it one more time. And, and I'm doing some, you know, video concerts. We're shooting stuff from the house and video keynotes and probably do a little writing and, and, you know, developing some, some projects, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm also kind of just, you know, enjoying being, being an empty nester with my, my wife and helping the family biz. So, um, I'm looking forward to this pandemic being over and we all can kind of get back to normal and get out and rock and roll. But, uh, yeah, you know, I'll, you know, I'll always be at, at that email address and I've kind of tried to get off social media because it's so depressing. So I, I'm kind of, if you want any words of advice, like mellow out on the social media, it doesn't help, you know, your, 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 your happiness quotient, but um, yeah. And then I'm sure next year we'll be out uh, touring with the quartet and touring with the rock band. And I don't know, I don't know if we'll be in Europe, but you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe if you are, I'll be there. <laughs> awesome. John, thank you so much for taking time to be on the show. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Kitty. You know, when I saw your email and you're all about writers writing, that uh, spoke to my heart because we're all one big, you know, uh, wacky family and we got to support each other and, uh, and all our endeavors. And at the end of the day, we kind of make the world go round.